This episode of Serverless Chats is sponsored by Epsigon. On this two-part episode, I chat with Anahit Pogasova about streaming data at scale using serverless. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 91. I'm Jeremy Daly, and this is Serverless Chats. Today, I'm chatting with Anahit Pogosova. Hi, Anahit. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. So you are an AWS community builder and also a lead cloud software engineer at Salida. So I would love it if you could tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what it is you do at Salida. Right. So yes, so I have been working at Soleta for a pretty long time. So it's a digital transformation company. It was originated in Finland over 25, 26 years ago. And out of those years, I have been on board for 11 years, wow. <laughs> which sounds extraordinary nowadays, I suppose, because everybody gets surprised. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> during those years, I've had several roles as a backend and, and full stack developer. And then I moved to the cloud, to AWS and starting to do all the cool stuff with the serverless and have been also working as a data engineer for the past several years with one of our customers. So a lot of different stuff. And uh, we actually have offices in six countries in Europe. Of course, they are wow. empty at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I am based here in Finland. And uh, yeah, we focus on software development and cloud integration services, analytic services, some uh, consultancy and service design. So if you're interested, we are hiring. And um, yeah, that's that's about Solida and me. Well, any company that can retrain, uh, retain someone for 11 years uh, <laughs> sounds like a good place to uh, sounds like a good mm. place to work at. <laughs> right? I think so too. Though apparently it sounds suspicious to many people. And why exactly? I don't know. That's a that's a conversation for another podcast I mm. think about uh, the the job hopping thing, but um but anyways, well <laughs> I'm glad that you're here, um, and thank you very much for for taking the time uh, to talk to me. I'm I'm super I'm super excited about this topic actually, because um, I came across this blog post that you wrote. Now this was actually the first version of this that you wrote was, or the first part of this I think was maybe almost a year ago now or something like yeah, that. Something but then like you that. had a, a second part of it that came out um, in uh, maybe November, um, and this was two posts. They were called "Mastering AWS Kinesis Data Streams," uh, and now. The cool thing about Kinesis is it's a super powerful service. Um, I think we we learned from uh, a recent outage at AWS that Kinesis pretty much powers everything. Every backend service at AWS is powered by yep. Kinesis, which is yep. um, is pretty cool, but also kind of scary at the same time. But um, uh, but it's a fascinating service, uh, and I want to warn the listeners because I want to get super technical with you. I want to get into some of these different details about how this service works, some of the limitations, um, you know, some of the use cases for it and things like that. Um, and I would absolutely suggest that people read the two posts that you wrote. Now, they are very, very long. It took me a long time to get through them, but they are excellent. They are really well written, uh, and uh, and it reads a lot easier than the documentation. You give some good examples in there and sort of some good reasoning behind it, which the documentation doesn't always do. So first of all, I, I want to start with why you wrote this post in the first place, because there is a lot of documentation out there, but why why did you write these uh, these two posts? 
Yeah, these two very long posts, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe to give some background, I've been working with Kinesis uh, a bit over three years now with one of my customers, um, who is the Finnish national broadcasting company called YLE. And I always bring this example. It's, you can think of it as BBC in Finland, you know, a mm -hmm. highly respected a company and with a lot of content and um, a lot of viewers as well. So our team is uh, responsible for streaming the user interaction data to the cloud. And uh, at the moment, we have something over um, 0.6 terabytes of data per day. In the moment of writing the first blog, it was uh, half a terabyte. So, mm -hmm. so it's growing constantly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we do, we do it with Kinesis. And when I started like three plus years ago, I basically had no production experience with it, just like the hello world kind of a, kind of a thing. Um, most of the things I learned or most of the things that are in the blog post, I actually learned the hard way. So by making the mistakes and by seeing the failures and that kind of things. And I actually wish that blog post or two blog posts like that would exist back then when I started, because like, as you said, that there's a lot of, or there's a lot of documentation in, on AWS, of course, but like, for example, in case of Kinesis and Lambda, you have to read the Kinesis documentation and then you have to read the Lambda documentation. Right. Then you have to kind of, you know, marry them together. And um, it's a lot of reading and not necessarily uh, too clear. So I wrote this in, in a short kind of way. I wrote it to myself three years ago, <laughs> in a way, kind of, kind right. of that kind of thing. And I hope it will help others not to make the same mistakes that I had to make myself. So maybe maybe it will help somebody who has already started their kinesis journey or just thinking about it. And um, the thing is that when while I was reading or writing those blog posts or like before like working with kinesis, I have learned so much when I started to dig under the hood of how the service actually works. So I have learned so much about how the AWS services work in general. So mm -hmm. like digging deep or understanding deeply just one service, in my opinion, uh, gives you a wider understanding of, of all the other services. So even if you are not that interested in using Kinesis, I would still recommend <laughs> reading my blog post. And uh, I actually point out some of the common issues or things that are common for other services as well and distributed services right. in general, things like in impotency and timeouts and error handling and that kind of stuff. And uh, to tell the truth, I still use or I, I do use my own blog post as a reference manual pretty often myself because I have a horrible right. memory, especially when it comes to exact numbers. <laughs> so, so it's nice to have kind of a one place where I go to look for, for stuff. And um, yeah, so... To help myself and to help others is the short short answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think that's I think that's great that first of all that you did that to help others, but the fact um, that you did it to help yourself that is not an uncommon thing. I know for me, um, most of the blog posts that I wrote were just ways for me to make sure that I wrote something down and it would actually live out there that I would be able to go back and reference myself, right. just like you said, because um, you know you, I sort of figure out things my own way, and then mm -hmm. it's really helpful for me to go back and see how I did it as opposed to trying to find a needle in a haystack somewhere else so um exactly. so yeah so awesome uh you know so again I, I think that is i think that's amazing um and and i'll say it again i read those blog posts and i was and i learned so much about kinesis that i thought i already knew um but just kind of seeing it in that different way was uh was was really really helpful to me
Oh, great to hear that, especially from you, because I assume you do know quite a bit about Kinesis already. <laughs> I know, I know a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I've used it quite a bit, but I mean, just in terms of, um, you know, and just in terms of like failure modes and some of these other things and, and the different sort of caveats you run into, which is something that the documentation doesn't capture nope. as well as it needs to. And that's one thing I find about, you know, AWS documentation, but documentation in general is it's very easy to get to that hello world phase, like sort of like you mentioned, and, but then to get over that hump and bring it into production, I mean, that that's a whole that's a whole other beast. Yeah, and maybe uh, the simplicity of uh, the serverless and the, the managed services nowadays is also quite deceiving in that sense, because like right. nobody reads the documentation from start to finish anymore. You know, right. you just go skim through it and then it's like, OK, I will try out and see how this works. And then you Enough try to out. Get going. Yeah, you right. get going and it's like, OK, this thing is working. I know how it works. <laughs> like, right, yeah, right. You, you do until something fails because it will. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, so let's start. Um, let's take a step back because I know what Kinesis is. You know what Kinesis <laughs> is. Um, but I'm not sure everyone knows exactly what Kinesis is. So um, let's start there. Why don't you give the, uh, you know, a quick overview of what, what is Kinesis and why, you know, why would you use it? Yeah, so Kinesis is a massively scalable and fully managed service in AWS, which is meant for uh, streaming data, uh, huge amounts of data, really. And uh, what they say is that it actually scales pretty much endlessly, not unlike Lambda functions. And um, <laughs> it's it has a lot of uh, service integrations, like uh, other services can send events to Kinesis. For example, um, AWS IoT Core has that functionality, CloudWatch events, um, events and logs. Uh, even some more exotic options with uh, database migration service also has some sort of mm. integration with Kinesis. Um, so it's it's pretty common to use them in those um, in in that combination. And then, as you mentioned in the beginning, it's actually a pretty crucial service in AWS itself, and not everybody realizes that that a lot of services use Kinesis under the hood, like. The CloudWatch events themselves use use it mm -hmm. under the hood. The logs, uh, IoT uh, services use it, and even Kinesis Firehouse use it, uses Kinesis as as their underlying service. And right. as far as I know, they are one of the biggest customers for the Kinesis team. So it's kind of cross pollination in that sense. <laughs> and yeah, that outage last November it actually showed, or I, I would say that many people didn't know about the Kinesis before that outage, I suppose, right. <laughs> or not not too much at least. And yeah, so. Cognito failed, CloudWatch failed, and, and then there was like this chain of failures that they experienced for an entire day because uh, Kinesis didn't work the way it was supposed to work. So a pretty pretty important service, no matter do you use it or or not in your everyday life. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so so in terms of, of, of what it actually does, you mentioned it's a data streaming service for um, you know for high volumes of data. And AWS is famous for creating a bunch of services that do very similar things. Um, you know, we've got SQS, um, EventBridge exists now, uh, SNS, um, you know, is sort of a, is is a pub sub type thing, which I guess you could sort of think of Kinesis that way as well. Um, so I guess maybe why why not use SQS or EventBridge or SNS? Um, why would like what specific reasons would you use Kinesis over those? Yeah, that's a really great question, and I think it's a question a lot of people struggle with, especially when they just start their AWS journey or or messaging service journey or whatnot, because right. there are so many services that look alike, and and it's very difficult to distinguish which one of them do you actually need to use and how do you actually choose from them, and um, 
just uh, I have a feeling that those services have been kind of converging lately. I think they are becoming even more uh, close together than they used mm-hmm. to be. And for example, with like SQS and SNS FIFO support that they added right. recently. Mm-hmm. So those are more similar than they used to be. Then back in the day when they added um, uh, SQS Lambda trigger that wasn't there. So it used to be SQS SNS Lambda pattern and now you can do it directly. So that went to that direction as well. And now, especially when they added, I think it was before reInvent this year or at the reInvent, don't remember anymore. <laughs> they added to SQS the, the batch window uh, support yep. exactly the same actually as, as Kinesis has. So in that sense, they are exactly the same now. So the same amount of, or at the same time and the same amount of, of um, records that you can batch before reading them to a Lambda function. Right. Which is quite cool, but then they are, they are getting even more closer and the question is like, what, what do you actually choose? And I think that the truth of the matter is that in many cases you can go with uh, many of those services. It wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily be a wrong choice, but uh, there probably is going to be one particular service that is going to be better tuned for your particular use case. Right. And in that case, you basically, that it, what it comes down to, there are like several questions that you need to ask. For example, the throughput requirements. So how much of the throughput are you going to handle? Is it like individual events every now and then? Or is it like a stream of events and, and huge volumes of, of events? And then again, what's the size of the events? So for example, mm-hmm. SQS can support or SNS can support too big of events. You know, it's like 256 kilobytes or something. And, right. and with Kinesis, it's one megabyte. So that kind of thing. Then... You should think about the data retention requirements because like some services can ret- can can store the data for a longer time and others can't. Ordering, uh, how do you want to write the data to the stream? Do you want to batch the, the records? Do you want to write individual records? Do you want to have like direct integrations or uh, kind of custom code that writes to the, to, the, to the source or how do you want to consume the record? So do you want to do the, the pops up as you said or, or do you want yeah. to poll? What do you want to do? Or do you want batches once again? Or do you want to do So like several questions you can go, go through before deciding it. <laughs> and yeah. actually like Kinesis in that sense stands like separately from all the other services because it's not even in the same part of the uh, service list in the console. It's it's considered right. to be an uh, analytics service as opposed to application integration service. So mm-hmm. he made that distinguished, distinguished quite a lot. And uh, yeah. basically... With Kinesis, as I said, you you have virtually limitless scaling possibilities using the shards. So you can have more shards and you can kind of scale more depending on how much data you need to accommodate. And one record can be as much as one megabyte. So it's kind of a a huge chunk of data that you can't pretty much send to any other service for that matter. And right. um, so, so I, I want to yeah. I want to talk about shards, but let me interrupt you for a second. Um, the thing that is interesting about, like you mentioned with SQS, is SQS right now with FIFO, the first in, first out, um, you can do ordered records. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things that Kinesis has always done. Um, I know that you know, one of the big difference I, differences I think though um, is that SQS can really only have one subscriber. Once you take the message off of that queue. It's gone. Whereas with right. kin- <clears throat> excuse me, as with uh, Kinesis, you can actually um, 
you can actually have multiple subscribers and you and as you said with the data retention you can go back in time right so i think mm -hmm. that's another sort of big um thing but i you know it's funny you mentioned the analytics versus um uh, application integration because i know way back in the beginning uh kinesis was a really great choice for application integration and right. people were using it um almost as like a vent bridge essentially you know to do like eventing and, and stuff like that uh, or as a common thing but of course you had to have multiple subscribers and it was sort of a pain but that, that's that's an interesting piece of information i didn't even know about it actually because now the distinct they are trying to make the difference I think bigger now between kinesis and and the other services you know like the the analytics services they kind of mm -hmm. stand separately from the kind of AWS point of view but of course it doesn't mean you can't use it and actually you can pretty successfully okay. as a managing service uh, messaging service I'm sorry right yep and uh, yeah so I was you actually mentioned yourself that uh, that the big difference with SQS and kinesis is that you can have multiple consumers for the same stream. But then again, SNS has that as well, and I think EventBridge as well. Right, right. But, but, yeah. but like uh, for Kinesis, you can't actually even do the filtering that you can do with SNS and EventBridge. So it's also true. It's, it's kind right. of you, you have to send all the events, all the same events. <laughs> can they build the... one service that just does right? everything for right? you? Like, That's what why? I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and this message retention is actually pretty funny that you mentioned because uh, they have uh, announced. I think once again before reinvent this um, extended message retention. So before mm -hmm. it used to be that you can keep your messages in Kinesis from 24 hours to up to seven days if you need to. And now you can have it up to one year, which makes kind of a database out of it all of a sudden. Right. And it make, yep. I, I think it will bring all new sorts of use cases with it because if you just can put your data in this Kinesis and then do whatever you want with it for an entire year, in many, many cases, you don't even need to deliver it to any destination after that. It's, right. it's just fine like that. Of course, you have to pay extra for that, but that's of a different course. conversation. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty big difference to pretty much any other of the, of the messaging services because you can't do that with that. And even with ordering, though, SQS and, and SNS also have ordering, but at least with SQS, the FIFO queues, have, they have lower throughput than the normal right. queues. So right. there is already this limit. And with Kinesis, you don't have that because ordering comes pretty much out of the box. I think the main difference for me personally is how they work with Lambda functions, because mm -hmm. I think Lambda has a wonderful support and it's kind of improving every year. And this year, they again added new possibilities and functionality there. It has a great support for um, handling Kinesis records or batches and errors, which is always yes. an interesting yeah. aspect for me. So right. that's that's a big difference. But of course, like big pink elephant in the room here is the cost. <laughs> that's what everybody yep. is concerned about. And I have heard so many times that uh, Kinesis is too expensive. And I think it's still a bit more of an enterprise product rather than, you know, mm. smaller company startup thing, because I think mainly because it doesn't have free tier. That's my opinion. Because like you, yeah. you start to pay immediately from the get go. Like right. SQS, at least have those free messages per per month. And uh, we had this interesting conversation with Yentre like a while ago, who who was talking about the sweet kind of spot between SQS and Kinesis. That there is actually yes, a, a, a yep. point yeah after which Kinesis actually costs you less than SQS mm -hmm. if you have like enough. Uh, the big enough amount of incoming data or your data is large enough in its volume, then SQS will start to cost you much, much more than Kinesis, not to speak about how difficult it will be to manage really like right. the, the consumption and all that thing. So yeah, that's here are a few differences for, for you to consider, but 
I think each service has its like stronger suit. And as you said, we don't have one service that has all of the features that we would right. like them to have. So like every one of them is suited better for, for, for a particular use case, let's say so. Right. Hi, everyone. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Epsigon. Epsigon enables teams to instantly simplify, visualize, and understand what's happening with their complex microservice architectures. With their comprehensive, lightweight auto instrumentation, users are able to eliminate the gaps in data and manual work associated with other APM solutions, providing significant reduction in issue detection, troubleshooting, and resolution times. Epsigon aggregates and correlates data from all the third-party tools you love, delivering a single pane of glass for understanding serverless, containers, Kubernetes, and more. Engineers now know when something is wrong and can immediately trace issues to root cause before they affect production. Increase development efficiency and reduce application downtime with Epsigon. As a special for Serverless Chats listeners, if you try out Epsigon and connect your first trace today, they'll hook you up with one of their awesome t-shirts. Check it out at epsigon.com slash serverless chats. So with Kinesis, another thing, again, that I think separates it very much so from uh, your SQSs and your event bridge is that you do have to set up these shards. Um, so you have to actually provision something um, uh, in order to send data to. So it's not like just an endpoint where you send data and it'll accept as much as you want. Um, so explain shards and then partitions, because this is something I, we could go super deep on this, but like FIFO queues and SQS, for example, have like a, a group ID um, right. or a, a message group or whatever that, that allows you to kind of do sharding there as well, but without provisioning it. But but let's keep the, fo the conversation focused on Kinesis here. Um, so shards and partition keys, what are those all about? Yeah, so as you said, unlike Kinesis, or unlike SQS, I'm sorry, uh, Kinesis does need to have provisioning. And um, oh, you can think of a shard as uh, some sort of ordered queue within the stream. So your Kinesis stream is basically combined of set of these queues. And each queue comes with its own throughput limitations. So you have uh, you can send 1,000 records or one megabyte of data per second mm -hmm. to, to each shard. And then on the out, you can get like two megabytes per second. Uh, so if you have more data, you basically need to add more shards to your stream. And that's the way your stream is going to scale. So of course, each shard is going to cost you. <laughs> so, so that's why you kind of have to consider how much shards you are actually adding to your stream. And uh, the way your data is uh, spread across the, the shards in the stream is by using the partition key that you mentioned. So it's basically just a string that you add to every single uh, data pay payload that you send to your stream. You just add uh, a separate a separate string called partition key. And what Kinesis does, it, it calculates a hash function of that string. And based on that hash function, it decides which shard the, the record belongs to. So right. each shard is assigned uh, a range of hash values which don't overlap. So basically, when you send uh, your record to a stream, it ends up in exactly one shard in that stream. So right. that's the mechanism. Pretty simple mechanism, but it's pretty powerful as well. And uh, uh, yeah, and the, the records, as I said, they are ordered inside each of the shards. So you have this ordering out of the box on the shard level. Right, and then the the um, the sharding itself. So if you have five streams set up. The, the algorithm will split that into the, the sh and of course the partition keys have to be 
different yes. enough, right? Yes. So that that it can actually split them. Like you can't exactly. send just like one or whatever, you know, just send like oh, a well, single can, digit or something. Well, you can, but it probably shouldn't. You, you could, right. And actually you could control, you could probably control which shard it goes into yep. by doing that. But um, but then if you if you want to expand, so let's say that you're writing, you know, 4,995 records per second across five different shards and you say, okay, now I need to, um, I need to, you know, add a sixth shard or a seventh shard or whatever and keep adding shards. Um, how does that rebalancing work? Yeah, so you can uh, do it by doing so-called resharding, so you can add new shards. And there's actually two ways uh, uh, to, to add shards. You can split the existing shards, as far as I remember, and then you can kind of add a separate shard. So, so when you split a shard, the, the partition keys are split between kind of those two shards more or less equally, because like the, the idea is that, as you said, you have to have, or it, it's better to have a random partition key because mm-hmm. in that case, your records will be distributed equally or uniformly across all the shards instead of, you know, sending all of them to the first shard and overwhelming the first right. shard. And then the rest will be just idle and, and kind of not using the capacity it could have been using. So kind of a random enough distribution of, of partition keys is very important. But then if uh, for some reason, for example, you have a shard which is overwhelmed, so it, it has more records coming in than, than the others, then you can split that particular shard and kind of make it into two. And, and then Kinesis will take, take care of kind of spreading the, the records between those two, like based on the partition key. Right, right. And, and the fact that you have to do that manually, hmm. that you have to say, okay, this is, you know, this is a hot shard or, you know, my, my numbers are going up. I have to add something separately. The big question is, is this really serverless? Yeah, that's a big question indeed. And in my blog post, I actually argued that it's not entirely. Oh, so. Chris Munns is gonna get, <laughs> I have this ongoing thing with Chris Munns at AWS where I think it's serverless and he, he thinks it's not. But Okay, so I'm, I'm <laughs> so more, on he, on his, more on his side here, but, but kind of getting there. But, but I think... Like uh, I co- in my in my blog post, I actually compare it to DynamoDB in, in a sense in kind of mm. early days because you know DynamoDB right. also started out without auto scaling, without on demand capacity. So you provision capacity, and not unlike shards, and and then you pay right. for what you provisioned even if you don't use it at all. So it, it's pretty much the same. And then you have to use API calls to to add some capacity and remove capacity and whatnot. So everybody was not too happy about it, but. Still, it was assumed to be a serverless service, right? DynamoDB, right. always from the right. get-go. So in that sense, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but, but here as well, we, we have the same fully managed service. But again, we need to take care of, of um, the, the throughput ourselves. So there is no right. mechanism that would uh, take into account the incoming and outgoing records and decide, okay, now I scale up. You can build it. And there is actually a blog post about Kinesis auto-scaling which uses like five other components to do that. So right. you can automate <laughs> it, but it's still something not supported by the service itself, though everybody is holding their breath for it to come like any moment now. I actually was hoping yeah. it will come in reinvent, but well, what can you do? I guess the outage was a bigger yeah. thing to concentrate. <laughs> yeah, it was a bigger thing they had to deal with. Yeah, well, maybe they were pushing the auto-scaling functionality. And actually, that, everything, that's but... exactly what I thought when they broke it. I was like, yes, <laughs> auto-scaling is coming, but then it turned out there were some other issues with that. 
Right, right. Yeah. So, well, anyways. Um, so, all right. So, Kinesis, though, in terms of getting data into it, right, there's a number of different ways to, to send data into Kinesis. And another thing that's fascinating, too, I think, um, just about the Kinesis service in general is, you know, Lambda, we think of Lambda because it's function as a service, as a very serverless service. It sort of sits in the, uh, you know, perfectly in the serverless ecosystem. Um, so whether or not Kinesis is 100% serverless or not, um, it is used in a lot of applications, right? Applications that have nothing to do with serverless applications yeah, or, sure. or anything like that. Just it is a really good service that powers a lot of things, as we said. So what are some of the different ways that you can get data into, uh, into Kinesis? Because you mentioned batching and some of those other things. Yeah, sure. So of course, it wouldn't be too useful if we couldn't get data into it, right? right. <laughs> so and quickly, uh, yeah, that as well. So there are actually many many different ways uh, to do that. And for example, one useful way if you are going to stream your data from outside the cloud to the cloud is the uh, Amazon Kinesis Agent, uh, which is a standalone application that you run on your server, for example, that can mm -hmm. stream files to to Kinesis. So, like for example, if you want to stream your logs from your server to to the cloud that that can be done with the um, uh, with the kinesis agent so that's one way um, then as i said there are some direct integrations so some services actually can push events directly to kinesis like cloudwatch and stuff like that uh, one interesting service of those is of course uh, api gateway <laughs> because mm. uh, it, it does require you some work because it basically acts like a proxy over the api calls for kinesis yep. So you need to do some VTL magic and stuff, but uh, <laughs> it comes with some uh, throughput limitations, of course, as with, with, with API Gateway in general, but it's very useful for many cases. And then there is tons of community, uh, community contributed tools and libraries that you can use to do it. But I think like the mainstream or the most common ways to, to write data to a stream is actually either using uh, Kinesis producer library, so KPL mm -hmm. in short, and it's basically uh, another level of abstraction above the API calls, and it gives you some extra functionality, but uh, it also runs asynchronously in the background. So you need to have a C++ daemon, daemon right, running on your system all the time, but right. uh, it will collect the records and send them to Kinesis asynchronously, which means that you might have some uh, delay that, or latencies that come with it, so it won't push them immediately. Uh, but right. yeah, the, the biggest issue with it is that it's actually only available in Java, so a bit limited limited use case. And then, well, the most favorite of mine because it gives you like the most the most of the flexibility really to what how to write data and how to handle the errors and stuff is the AWS SDK, which is basically mm -hmm. the the API calls. And luckily, there is a, a lot of SDK language support, so you don't have to be bound to just Java. Though I don't have anything against Java, I work with it for like <laughs> eight. Seven years? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Java anymore, but I write a lot of Lambda functions. So mm -hmm. every time you, I, I've never been able to get them to to boot up quickly. Uh, the cold start has always been horrible with, right. uh, with Java. So I've, I've stuck to mostly Node and Python Same. just to keep things simple. Um, but so, all right, so the, you mentioned the, uh, the Kinesis producer library, which I actually remember way back in the day we had like a ruby etl thing and we were using uh, the consumer library and the uh, it was a, it was a mess it was just a lot of things that had to happen so it's easier if you can just have a nice simple stk mm -hmm. um or um 
even better, have the service just natively push it into Kinesis for you and then um, have another native service consume off of that, which is super easy. Um, but so there are, there are a lot of use cases with Kinesis. Um, I think people can probably use their imagination for high, you know, high throughput streaming data, um, you know, click tracking, um, you know, uh, ad network type stuff or all, all kinds of things that you would need to see, you know, sensor data. You mentioned IoT integrations and some of those things. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. But what about um, what about some of the less common use cases? I know you have you have some ideas around like how you can sort of you know manipulate the system in a way uh, to use it for your benefit uh, that's not super fast high streaming data. No, it's, though we are mostly using it really now with my customer. We do use it mainly for the for the big data and streaming all mm -hmm. that user interaction data, like the the classical way of using it. Basically, right, that's what right. we do. And then there is actually one more use case nowadays. You can use it with DynamoDB as the event stream. That's right. They added mm -hmm. it just again just recently, so that that's another cool thing because I think DynamoDB streams ha had some extra limitations that Kinesis doesn't. So yep. So yeah, that. But yeah, uh, actually, I, I, as I mentioned in the beginning, that um, the difference between the service integration services and analytic services doesn't necessarily kind of exist. It's more like in our head because we don't really have to use Kinesis with a huge amount of data. And uh, one use case that I personally found extremely useful is that when you, for example, have a Lambda function that needs to consume events from some uh, stream or, or queue, and you want to invoke exactly one Lambda function at all times. Mm -hmm. So you want to, um, to process the, the events in order or basically consequently, not in parallel. Uh, so with this SQS, what you can do is to use the Lambda reserve concurrency for, for that purpose. So you can mm -hmm. say that, okay, I only allow one Lambda execution of this particular Lambda at all times, but it will mean that all the others will be throttled. Then you have to take care of SQS visibility timeouts and make sure that, uh, that right. the retry attempts are uh, big enough so your valid messages don't end up in a dead letter queue and all that kind of extra... Um, worrying i would even say <laughs> that right. that is not necessary and what i found very useful is that with kinesis uh, the way lambda works with kinesis is that uh, it gives you one concurrent lambda execution per shard so uh, if you have a kinesis stream which is attached to a lambda function there's going to be as many concurrent lambda executions at any given time as you have shards so each lambda will be reading from its dedicated shard Right. You know, so basically, if your throughput requirements are okay, and you can have a stream with just one shard, where you push all your events, then you have a lambda consuming from it. Then out of the box, you are getting a lambda, uh, a situation when just one lambda function is reading from the stream at all times, and you don't have concurrent executions. You don't ha have to take care or or worry about of all the throttling and stuff. And then out of the box, you get all this nice functionality for error handling that Kinesis comes with. So right, right. I actually love it for that use case. And it won't cost you millions. It probably will cost you like a couple of hundreds per year. And I think mm -hmm. it's pretty much well worth it if you think of all the kind of management costs that you are avoiding that way. Right. Yeah. And and actually, the, the, uh, the SQS... Um, the reading off the queue, the auto, oh, the lambda trigger for that, 
Um, I believe that you need to set a minimum of five uh, concurrent yep. Um, yep. for that because that works that way. But I think, and again, I could be wrong about this because again, it's how can you possibly know all the services in AWS? But I believe if you use SQS FIFO queues with a single message group ID, that that will also only invoke one Lambda function. I'm not 100% sure of that, but but yeah, but that's a, but either way, no matter which service you use to do that, that's a, uh, that is a really cool use case. Cause I can think of, of some cool things. Like, I don't know, maybe you were billing, you were doing like shipping labels or so, like something where you needed it to be like one after the other, they needed to be sequential. Um, there could be some cool, uh, definitely some cool use cases for for that type of stuff. Yeah, we have found it very useful in in, in one of our use cases. And the fun part was that I was struggling with SQS and like, how how do I do this properly? And I don't like this. Right. And like, then it was like, okay, I've been talking about Kinetis for like two years now to everybody <laughs> around. So why didn't I think about it in the first place? But yeah, it, it's a fun way to do that. Right. All right. So let's move on to consuming data off of the stream. So uh, there are a bunch of different ways to do this. Um, I mentioned the, the Kinesis consumer library, which I think is also Java based and you need to run it. But anyways, the, I, the, the easiest way to consume data off of a Kinesis stream, you've mentioned this, I think most people would agree would just be to use Lambda because it is a really, really cool integration. So um, what's the what's the Lambda Kinesis story? Yeah, so I've mentioned it several times because it's really my favorite way of, of consuming data from right. Kinesis. You don't need all that extra headache of, you know, keeping track of where you are exactly in each shard and each each stream and every, every given moment of your life. So it, 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 it's very nice. And I think it um, takes care of a lot of heavy lifting on your behalf from reading, reading from the stream. Right. And uh, well, as I said, like error handling is one thing, one big thing that, that Lambda makes so, so much easier for you with Kinesis Stream. Then uh, batching. So uh, Lambda can read batches of records from the stream up to uh, 10,000 batches uh, mm -hmm. records in a single batch. Um, so yeah, th those are, and, and keeping track of, that's, that's the most important, probably keeping track of where actually, where exactly you are in the stream, because otherwise you have to have some external ways to do it. And for example, uh, Kinesis Consumer Library uses a DynamoDB table to do that, mm, which it right. actually spins up uh, behind the scenes without you even probably knowing about it. And, and it's provisioned. And it's too. provisioned. There, uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty low. And then one day somebody from your team comes knocking on the door and saying, hey, I'm getting this weird DynamoDB provision throughput exceeded errors. We don't have a DynamoDB table. Right. Hmm, where right. does that one come from? So yeah, it's it's much easier. But then there is, of course, uh, other services that I would want actually to mention here is Kinesis Firehose and Kinesis Analytics. Mm. Yes. Because like those two are the other services in the Kinesis family. And uh, they both have a very nice integration with, with Kinesis Stream. So they both can be attached to a Kinesis Stream as a, as a stream consumer. In case of Kinesis Analytics, it actually can be a stream producer as well. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, Firehose is, is a service that is used for streaming data to a destination. So if Kinesis Streams is just for streaming the data and then you have to mm -hmm. consume it somehow, the, all, the entire purpose of Firehose is to deliver data to a destination. So you can connect the two to stream the data and then deliver it to the destination. And the destination can be S3, Redshift, Elasticsearch. And I think that the coolest one, recent one, is the HTTP endpoint. So you basically can, mm. can deliver it any, anywhere you want. And yep. then uh, the Firehose has also some pretty neat features like batching and, and transforming the data and, and converting the yeah, format. Transforming. 
con converting yeah. from from like for example JSON to Parquet. That's what we use mm -hmm. a lot in in our case. Compressing and the then data. you can query it from yep, Athena, from Athena, for Spectrum, yep. and, and all that things. Yes, so it's it's very very useful, and you can connect it directly to to Kinesis uh, Kinesis streams and it is truly serverless <laughs> because you don't have to provision it. <laughs> right. So it, but it there scales. are limits though, right? Like I, I know with Kine uh, Kinesis Data yeah. Firehose, like it, there's, like if you're choosing between Kinesis Data Streams and Kinesis Data Firehose, like there's an upper limit to um, the, the Firehose, right? Yes, that, that's true. I don't remember the exact limits, but the, the uh, scary thing about Firehose was several years ago that there was no mentioning anywhere that uh, any of the uh, operations can fail, like you know, uh, like oh, right. writing to the stream can or to, to firehose can actually fail because like, with Kinesis you had all these uh, metrics with um, exceeding the throughput, for example. So you see, you have a metric that says that something bad happened. So you know that something bad can happen. <laughs> with firehose, right. they didn't even have the metric that would tell you that hey. Uh -huh. So what 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 they had is like documentation that says that it's. Uh, what endlessly scaling service or something like that, you know, and then yeah. then there yeah. is the fine print with, but if you use it with this and this and this, but as far as I know, if you are using it with Kinesis streams, it actually adjusts to the throughput of the Kinesis streams, so, so those oh, okay. limits don't apply anymore. So ah, interesting. There is, yeah, there is this kind of separation. Interesting. Yeah, and then uh, the other service from the Kinesis family was the the Kinesis data analytics, which mm -hmm. is one of my favorite ones really because it kind of it seems small but you can do a lot of neat things with that so what you can do is that you can analyze your streaming data in near real time so you can basically write sql queries with right. Kinesis data analytics and it will perform joins and and uh, different filters and aggregates over some for example time-based window and mm -hmm. then it can send the results of that aggregates to either another stream or another firehose or actually, it can send it to Lambda, so you can do yeah. whatever you want with it. So it, there's a lot of cool use cases that come with Kinesis Analytics, and they both integrate very nicely with uh, with Stream, Kinesis Streams. But the gotcha moment here, which apparently not many people realize, is that both Firehose and Kinesis Analytics, they act as a normal consumer for the stream. So mm -hmm. Uh, I mentioned that there is this throughput limit for each shard, right? So right. there is only one, uh, one megabyte per second that you can write and two megabytes per second that you can read. So this in practice means that you can have two consumers reading two consumers, right. from, from each shard at the same time. And uh, Kinesis Analytics and Firehose are both considered a consumers. So you can, if you have a Kinesis Analytics application and the Firehose attached to the same stream and then you want to add a Lambda function, for example, then you might exceed, end up exceeding the, the throughput. So you need right. to, to, to be careful about that. So, yeah. Yeah. But so so then with that, though, so again, I, that, that makes sense. You can have two consumers, but they added something called enhanced fan out. So how does that come into play? Right. So enhanced fan out is, is kind of funny in, in the sense that it's very difficult to understand what actually happens by reading the documentation. I think it, that part took me actually the longest time to figure out because I, I personally don't use it at, at work. So it, it was a research project for me mostly <laughs> to, to figure out what is happening there because like all the combination, like enhanced fun out and, and how it works with other features. But what it basically is, is that instead of sharing this two megabyte throughput, uh, outgoing throughput with all the other consumers, instead you can have a separate kind of your dedicated elite uh, highway that that you get with with a stream, and then you get your own two megabytes per second of of throughput. 
and you can have up to 20 consumers at the moment i think that mm -hmm. each of them will get their two megabytes so you will you you can basically consume a lot of data with that and and the nice part is that the latency here is also much lower than with the like the so-called right. standard throughput so it's I think they, they claim it's 70 milliseconds uh, of latency versus minimum of 200 milliseconds for, mm -hmm. for the standard throughput, which is kind of a big big deal. And it actually stays the same in contrast with the standard throughput with where it goes up with each added consumer. So right. it, it's a really nice feature. And how partly how they achieve it is by using um, HTTP2 persistent connection instead right. of yes. HTTP. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the consumer actually, instead of polling, as it does with standard throughput, instead of polling for records, the Kinesis actually pushes the records through that persistent connection to the consumer. So in that way, we avoid all the limitations that come to you now polling the records from the stream with the Get Records API and, and that kind of thing. So that kind of removes all the headache, but you have to pay for it. <laughs> Favorite, of course, of yeah, course. So, so that's 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 the problem. And the thing is that it sounds very cool, and you you might think like, why, why wouldn't you use it like all the time? Well, yeah, you have to pay for it. But the truth of a matter is, in most cases, you don't need it. So if if you mm -hmm. have just up to three even consumers in for yeah. your stream, you're probably gonna be just fine with with a normal shared shared throughput model. And that's the first part of my serverless chat with Anahit Pogasova. Check out next week as we finish our conversation about streaming data at scale using serverless. I want to give a huge thank you to Anahit for being my guest this week and to our sponsor, Epsigon. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 91. For more serverless chats, subscribe, sign up to be an insider, check us out on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you want to keep up to date on everything serverless, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.